Howdy dream, cowboys. Welcome back to another episode of the Westworld Fan Podcast, Western Movie Club. Today's movie, Unforgiven. Directed by Clint Eastwood and starring Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. Hey, if you're new to the Western Movie Club, we are a Westworld podcast, ostensibly, but Westworld is a, is a faraway dream. Westworld is like a desert mirage. You can see it from afar, you're pretty sure it's happening, but do you know that it's definitely happening? <laughs> you, you can't be certain. So Clint Eastwood is like a one-man walking Western genre. He directed this, he produced it, he's got a writing credit, and he's the star. Yeah, he's the one who got this film made. I believe his script reader read it like three years before he did and didn't like it, so he didn't even give it to Clint. Eventually Clint got it. Gene Hackman had also read this script and was like, no thank you. So this movie really took Clint Eastwood to say, hey... I'm going to be William Money, and we're going to make this movie. So, let's get into it. And it turned out to be a pretty good idea. On almost every list of top ten westerns ever made, Unforgiven is not missing from any of them. I mean, if you look down, the the one that's the most prevalent probably is the AFI top ten that came out and It comes out like 2008, 2011, every now and again. Although... Really, you could argue at this point with the internet, anybody can make a top 10 Western list. In fact, we should at some point, because slowly but surely, James, almost against our will, we're becoming experts of the Western genre. I said it in a really crappy way, because I because it's a weird thing to say, but it does, I think, hold some truth. Yeah, and after this, we just need five more movies and we can make a top 10. If um, no, I will. I I will not make a top ten. I will make a top ten, obviously, out of the movies we've watched, just uh, like independent of the western genre. But I refuse to make a western genre top ten list and have cowboys and aliens on it, or or how the west was fun. I I'm fine with that one. That one's fine with me. I Mary Kay and Ashley were carried that movie all the way to the to the. That's fine. I'm just. No cowboys and aliens. All right, well, yeah, well, maybe they should have dropped Johnny Depp in there and some red face. You would have liked it a little more, huh? I mean, I, I, I which one? Cowboys and aliens? <laughs> sure. Either one. All of yeah. them. No, no, no. Only cowboys and aliens. Other than that, it's just very racist. Hey, here's something. I don't know if you noticed, but sometime last month, we hit 50,000 downloads on SoundCloud. I didn't notice that at all i haven't looked at the statistics lately that's really neat Fifty thousand. yeah I, I, I feel like that's not real but uh thanks for everybody who's listening just a shout out to all you people who listened you got us to 50k yeah seriously people are still listening to this podcast i'm surprised every week you listened to an hour of two adult men talking about a mary kate and ashley olsen podcast good for you I know, you guys, you did a great job on your car rides, while you're at work. I don't know, what do you, when do people listen to podcasts? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So, the, re- the writer 
of Unforgiven is David Webb Peoples. He has a writing credit on 12 Monkeys and Blade Runner. I'm not sure if this was just a random thing he wrote or if he was paid by a studio to do it. But he wrote it one day and then he let it out into the world and then Clint Eastwood made it his own. It's one of those movies where it was written by someone, but everyone forgets that because Clint Eastwood. Our movie begins with a shot of a small prairie home. We get a text crawl, which explains the story of a pretty young girl who, against the wishes of her parents, married the notorious outlaw William Money, and everyone thought that, you know, she would wind up dead because of him. Actually, she died of smallpox some years later. She died in 1878, and now we port forward to 1880. Like you said, we start on that iconic wide shot of the house and the tree that kind of bookends this movie clint or who you will know as william money played by clint eastwood is a silhouette digging a grave but now we're in 1880 and we cut to a town and it's a western town of sorts yeah big whiskey wyoming and it's a dark and stormy night cut to some noisy brothel sex uh and we've just you know we've got a scene of some dude frogging this girl in a brothel and then we hear from the next room some kind of commotion did you just say frogging yeah it's a funny one (laughs) (laughs) yeah the cowboys are not being very nice or at least one of them is not being a nice guy at all so the 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 friend of said man who's going insane kind of has to stop what he's doing, go to the next room. And when he gets in there, the other one is kind of just holding the girl up. He's angry. And he says, you know, hold her down or I'll cut her up. But, like, that's what he's going to do anyway with the knife he has in his hand. Yeah, he pulls out a knife and just starts slashing up this young girl. And, you know, damn, only three minutes into this movie. And this is already, like, extremely visceral and dark. Yeah, but it does have more women in the first three to five minutes than almost any Western movie we've watched so far. So he's really like, he attacks this girl brutally, but he finally gets stopped when uh, a lawman shows up and puts a gun to his head. We later find out that the girl laughed when he pulled down his pants, which uh, I don't know. I guess you're not allowed to do when the guy next to you is drunk and has a weapon. So he went insane. Uh, and Alice, the the woman in charge of the brothel, is like, you know, and she isn't supposed to obviously do that. But it's like, it wasn't like that big a deal. Not especially for like, to cut her up into piece like not pieces, but I mean, he cut her in the face a bunch of times. Yeah, so the two Johns... The attacker and his friend are tied up. Uh, We find out their names are Quick Mike. That's the guy with the tiny dingus. And his friend is Davy Boy. And the sheriff shows up. And Strawberry Alice, the head of the working girls, wants them dead. Skinny, the owner of the brothel, wants monetary restitution for 
the girl who got cut up for her contract and the sheriff sort of wants to keep the peace i guess and he kind of cuts a deal he's like well you guys are ranchers i want you to you know capture six ponies and bring them back here and we'll call that payment for this girl who you've cut up and strawberry alice is livid she's like what you're not even gonna you're not gonna whip them you're not gonna hang them they're just gonna bring some horses and we're gonna call it cool it's kind of bullshit yeah, she's offended at the idea that a whipping might have the same value as maiming one of her friends. That perhaps, like, she she's just, she's mad at her, her where she is in life, and she's mad at what's happening in that moment. And then she's also so angry because Slim is like, nobody's going to pay for a cut-up whore. That's, like, an exact line that he says. And, like, everyone's looking at him like, I mean, he's not wrong. And Alice is like, am I, am I taking crazy pills over here? What is going on? Yeah, the sheriff basically gives the excuse. He's like, oh, boys will be boys. They drank too much and they got kind of angry and, and they, they nearly killed somebody. <laughs> they stabbed a hooker. Oh, well. The next day, the other girls are patching up and doing their best to take after Delilah, who's the girl who was attacked. And they've got her bandaged up, and she's looking really bad, and they think she might die. And they're all putting together the money that they've saved up to basically put a bounty on the heads of Quick Mike and Davy Boy to have them killed for what they did, since they can't get justice from their town sheriff. They say they're whores, not horses. And they don't need to take this anymore. Uh, if they have enough money, they can pay very literally anyone who will take that money to kill anyone they choose. So that is what they're what they're going to do. Uh, maybe it perhaps against better judgment, because I don't think anyone in the town, especially the mayor, Lil Bill, played by Gene Hackman, is going to like that. Cut to a pig farm in Kansas. This is the little house from the first shot of the movie. An outlaw slash bounty hunter named the Schofield Kid offers to partner up with the homeowner, retired outlaw William Money, and he'll split with him half of the thousand dollar reward if he helps him track down and kill Quick Mike and Davy Boy. So the word has gotten out. Apparently, $1,000 is an amount you can put on a contract to get someone from Kansas to come to Wyoming. So, that's that's how much $1,000 is worth. And from this scene, you can gather a few things. One, the Schofield kid is confident, brazen, probably... An, an asshole, like no, uh, a kid in a, in the class that would keep talking that nobody likes. You know, he's that guy. And William Money has two children now. He has a wife that he misses dearly. He's trying to take care of the kids. He's not good at farming, like at all. He's trying his best, but this is not the life for him. He's an outlaw. He's a man who makes his money by shooting people when he's drunk. So now that he lost his Claudia three years ago, and now has these two little youngins to take care of, he's trying his best, but 
This new life is hard. The Schofield Kid is played by James Wolvett, who spells James with an M-Z. I've never seen that before. James. Does that offend you as a fellow James? I just don't know. that He wanted to come up with a stage name, so he's like, I'll just I'll change the E-S to a Z. <laughs> I'll Z it up. And he has not been in any other movie that I recognize. Nothing else, no. Uh, he seems to have retired around 2008. That's a nice way to say it. But he's uh, he's 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 okay in this. He doesn't steal the show or anything. No, I mean he is an iconic character in a western movie who I think is universally hated. Spoiler alert, but yeah, he hasn't done much. And what's sad about this is that on the poster the guy who plays English Bob gets on the poster and he gets his name on there and and the Schofield kid doesn't and he's got a much bigger role. Well, the thing about it is the guy who plays English Bob is, isn't it Richard Harris? Yes. Yeah, he's one of the most beloved English actors of all time. He's the first Dumbledore, for gosh sakes. The man's going to be on the cover. Basically, William Money says he's done being an outlaw. He's quit drinking. He's quit violence. He's When he married his wife, she set him on the straight and narrow path. And so he doesn't want anything to do with this bounty hunter business. The Schofield killed is like, yo, they cut her eyes out. They cut her ears off. And they cut her boobs. So it's pretty messed up. And you should come along with me. As that's happening, Clint's child behind him is like two more pigs got the fever pop that's four now so many of the pigs got the fever everything's going badly and we need money i wish there was something right in front of you that could gain you money immediately yeah schofield kid takes off and he tells him not to mention the bounty to anybody yeah nobody don't don't do this to nobody with all the power and leverage i have on you Back in Wyoming, Quick Mike and Davy Boy bring the horses they owe to Skinny, and they try to bring one extra horse for Delilah as as like a token of apology, but the other girls pelt them with rocks and, and horse shit, and they chase them away. They just lost a pony. How dumb is that? By throwing rocks in that moment, they lose a pony. I understand that they're mad, but you gotta get the pony. Um... That's a joke. They really don't need the pony. Although they should have gotten the pony. But yeah, Quick Mike and Davy Boy. I think it's important to note that Quick Mike uh, is not a nice person and everyone will be okay when Quick Mike dies. But Davy Boy is a nice guy. Davy Boy brought the extra horse for Delilah. Davy Boy was trying to get her his friend off of Delilah, but his friend was stronger. Davy Boy is just like a nice dude with a dickhead for a friend who's just trying to be nice, but because his friend is so bad, everyone villainizes him, and it's sad. Yeah, poor Davy boy. I feel like Quick Mike is probably his co-worker, and Quick Mike was like, hey man, let's go to the brothel, I'll buy you a drink and a girl, and we'll have a good time, and then everything just went fucking horrible, and Davy boy's like, man, I wish I had never started hanging out with Quick Mike. It seems like every time I hang out with Quick Mike, we end up trying to murder a woman. Back in the farm, the pig farm, William is testing his aim on a can in his backyard, but he can't hit it with his revolver, so he blows it away with his shotgun. That's very Clint Eastwood. 
You know what I mean? Can't hit it with a little pistol, but it has to explode. He leaves a bouquet of flowers on his wife's grave, which is right under the, the tree in their backyard. And then he leaves his small children home alone. He tells his son to take care of his sister and watch the pigs and don't let any more pigs get pig fever. How how old are his children? They're like seven, right? Like seven, eight years old? Yeah, they seem to be about the same age as like the Olsen kids in How the West Was Fun. And it wasn't okay for the Olsen twins in that movie to ride a horse to Denver. And it's not okay for you to leave your two children with a bunch of fevered pigs. But I guess you gotta do what you gotta do. He saddles up his old plow horse, and the horse isn't used to having a rider, so at first he doesn't want to let him on, and he's bucking. (laughs) But eventually the horse is cool with it. Thank God we got a horse sound, too. (laughs) I need you to make the horse sound every time there's a horse. Is that okay? Yeah, we don't need to go find a stock sound of a horse, alright? I got I can just do this. We have it down, Pat. As he's leaving, he's like, your mom's dead, but she's watching over you later. And he uh, he gets on out of there, riding off into the distance to Wyoming. At the brothel, Skinny is really angry, and he's shouting at the other girls for putting this bounty out there. He's like, if you've got that money, just give it to me for Delilah's contract. They're like, oh, we don't even have the money. We were just lying. And uh, Skinny's really angry. So Skinny does what the only thing he can do in that moment, and he goes and visits Lil Bill. Lil Bill, let's talk about Lil Bill for a moment. So Lil Bill was a sheriff in Kansas towns and Texas towns as a younger man, where they were tougher towns. So he had to take care of some business. He is well known throughout the parts. Uh, Later you would see that almost all the bounty hunters around there know who Lil Bill is. But this is his retirement town, you know what I mean? He came to Wyoming to take a job in a little town where he's not going to have a lot of people uh, bothering him. He's here building his own house. It looks like he's in the middle of uh, actually building his own house as Skinny comes up to the house to probably tell him the bad news. Yeah, he lets him know that the girls have set out a bounty and little Bill is immediately unnerved. And we find out why later. Yeah, as Skinny is about to leave, he's like, Well, shit, Bill, maybe they won't even come at all. Well, gotta go. Like her house. Later, idiot. Will rides up to the home of his old friend Ned, played by Morgan Freeman. And he's another former outlaw. Apparently, they used to run in the same circles. We also see that Ned has a wife. I believe her name is Sally. She is a Native American woman who is immediately angry to see William Money because she knows what it means. He tells Ned about the bounty, and at first Ned argues that they're both too old and they've been out of the game for too long, but eventually he agrees to join up for the money. William Money says something to the effect of, we've done things for money before Ned. And Ned's like, no, we thought we were doing them for the money, which is a great line. Because he's positing in that moment, we were doing it because we were young and it was something to do. The money was a, the reason we th- we gave ourselves for it. And then, 
Uh, gosh, Clint Eastwood has a few odd lines that come from this scene. I'm not going to go into them because they have some words I don't even want to say out loud. <laughs> and, but I do really enjoy how the myth of what happens to this girl has gotten completely out of control. When when Ned asks what happened to Delilah, William Money is like, oh, God, so injured. She's crazy injured. She gets more injured every time the story is told, which is more fodder for the people who might get this $1,000 to actually just come down there and do it. Yeah, it's like, quick Mike, cut her head off. <laughs> but she's still alive. They sewed it back on, and we're going to go avenge her. They travel across the prairie trying to catch up with the Schofield kid, and they decide to camp for the night. Will reiterates that this is all for the money and that he really does regret his past life and that he refuses to, you know, be a bad guy again. There's a wide shot of the prairie as we come into this scene. A wide shot that I would argue you could have never found in Magnificent Seven because it would have been CGI. Again, liked that movie, just saying. There's a prairie shot in this scene that is just amazing. They had to obviously wait. For the right light. Like they were just sitting there with a camera. Being like okay. Whenever this prairie looks the best. Take a picture of it. While they're sitting there at the camp. Ned is talking. Lamenting about how he misses his wife. And how he misses having sex with her. After one evening. And then he's like oh sorry Will. (laughs) Really sorry to bring up having sex with your wife again. I know yours is dead. That's a bummer. I'm sorry I said that. And then. You know. He, Ned asks, like, you know, are you going to go back to killing? And William's like, just because I'm going to go back to killing doesn't mean I'm going to go back to the way I was. I was like, you know, John Wick said that too, and uh, John Wick 2 just came out, so I'm guessing he's back. Anyway, <laughs> they're, they're talking about their old crew and how everybody hated William Money. They were just afraid of him because he was always drunk and... He was always drunk to the point where he would just maybe shoot somebody for fun. And they're talking about, like, an old movie that doesn't exist. Like, that's what their past life was. And then we port to a train. Yeah, we're introduced to some new characters. On a train, English Bob and his biographer friend, W.W. Bochamp, are... On their way to Big Whiskey, and everyone on the train is discussing the the news of the assassination attempt on current President Garfield. English Bob gets into a fight with another one of the dudes on the train when he starts shit-talking democracy. English Bob believes strongly that a president can be shot. Presidents can be shot any day of the week. In fact, presidents are shot in his, uh, American history on multiple occasions. But how many times has a queen or a king been shot? Not many, because you would just be in awe of their royalty. But yeah, to to let everyone on the train know that he's better than them, he gets into a pheasant shooting contest. He shoots eight out of ten pheasants. Or no, like, yeah, something like that. While the other guy shoots like four, so he wins some money there. So we know now that English Bob is English. He's a very good shot. He's a bounty hunter who, uh, quote, kills Chinamen for the railroad, unquote. And he's on his way to Wyoming 
to take care of Quick Mike and Davy Boy. Oh no, Davy Boy, run! When they arrive at Big Whiskey, some of the deputies ask them to disarm. And English Bob's like, well, what are you talking about? I don't even have a gun, as he's, like, flashing his gun at them. I do like that in the Old West, you just lie first and hope that they believe you. And then when they don't believe you, you move on to the next thing, which is, okay, I guess I'll just lie again. I'm just going to keep lying until somebody punches me. At the sheriff's office, the deputies start nervously loading their guns and preparing to arrest English Bob, and they're worried that it's going to end up in a big shootout. You can tell that this is a small town full of sheriffs who didn't believe that this would ever be their lives, and now that this bounty has come upon the town and Lil Bill, who also is retiring there in his house that he is making, which, by the way, the deputies, while they're loading their guns, are like, one of them's like, that house doesn't have a straight angle on it. The porch sucks. The house sucks. Lil Bill is the worst damn carpenter that has ever lived. And then one of the other sheriffs, you know, questions Lil Bill's resolve. To which the original one who was like, he's the worst damn carpenter was like, he come out of Texas. He came out of Kansas. He's worked harder towns than this. We do not have to deal with it. And then at the bar. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go. At the barber shop, English Bob is like still talking about how awesome it is to have a monarchy and how everybody should have a monarchy. He asked the barber shop owner how he can find Strawberry Alice, uh, the working girl who's the the poster of the bounty. As a quick side note, English Bob again is played by Richard Harris, uh, an amazing actor who would become the first Dumbledore and not the second one, sadly, because he passed away. But the other person who was up for English Bob was Jeremy Irons, a.k.a. Scar from The Lion King. And that would have also been neat, but it wasn't. Any hoozle. As he steps out of the barbershop, English Bill runs into English Bill. Ha! As he steps out of the barbershop, English Bob runs into Little Bill and his deputies. They recognize each other. They have some tense pleasantries. Bill kind of introduces the deputies to Bob and his reputation. Everyone's got their pistols trained on on English Bob. And uh, his friend Beauchamp totally just pisses himself in fear. Yeah, they ask Mr. Beauchamp if he has a gun as well. And to that, he starts to reach into his bag for a book. And then everybody, you know, points their gun at him, obviously, and he pees himself. Which, you know, sometimes you'll do if you have never had a gun pointed at you, or, you know, eight of them. Lil Bill says that he heard that Bob fell off his horse and broke his neck, drunk, of course. And then English Bob was like, you know, I thought I was dead. Turns out I was just in Nebraska, which is a great line. Bill asks him again to disarm, and this time, with all the guns on him, English Bob agrees. As soon as he hands the gun over, though, Bill starts to beat the shit out of him and kick him while he's down. The whole time he's shouting about how there's no reward for the bounty, and how it's fake, and how everyone should just give up or have their ass kicked. You can tell that 
Bill is in this moment, like, not wanting to deal with any of this. And he's going to sweep this under the rug immediately by kicking the crap out of the first guy so hard and getting the word out that he doesn't have to deal with this. He can just keep building his house, and he's not going to have to deal with bounty hunters coming into his tiny little Wyoming town. He's on. He's retired. The man's retired. Leave him alone. William and Ned are still riding. They're talking about prostitutes and masturbation. Yeah, weird. Uh, <laughs> the way you do. Uh, they start getting shot at from a distance. The person shooting seems to be firing wildly in all directions, and Will guesses it might be the Schofield kid. Yeah, as they go over there, they finally talk him down, and they're like, you know, stop shooting, it's us, for the love of gosh. And and the Schofield kid's like, who you got with ya? And he reloads and repoints the gun. I was like, what is this kid doing? He knows William Money, just, and he trusts William Money. Put the gun down, idiot. And, you know, the kid's super bucked up. He, uh, he, when, when they finally get over there, Ned looks to pick up the rifle, because Ned is a great rifle shooter, just wants to look at it. And in that moment, you know, the Schofield kid, like, reaches for his other gun, and Ned's like, what are we doing here? What's going on? I left my Native American sauce pot Sally for this. At first, the kid doesn't want to let Ned join them. Uh, maybe he's racist. He's definitely racist. Uh, they agree to split the bounty three ways, even though the Schofield kid isn't able to divide 1,000 by three. He has to ask them what that is. Yeah, William Money calls his bluff and is like, all right, then, if you don't want both of us, then we'll leave. And the kid's like, oh, no, 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 fine, that's that's fine. I, I, that's, yeah, I'll, I'll be fine with that. As they ride into town, they see that there are clouds above them, or, well, you know, William Money sees that there are clouds above them, and when the Schofield kid doesn't see them, William Money and Ned start to kind of test him, and Ned w- r- rides up and is like, you know, there's a that bird up there, I could shoot that thing, could you shoot that thing? And the kid's like, oh yeah, I could definitely shoot that. And they're like, yeah, there's no bird up there, idiot, and you can't see anything, You're you're nearsighted and dumb. And then he pulls a gun again. That is, the Schofield kid pulls his Schofield once more because uh, he's insecure and young and a dumb dummy and has to prove that he's not worthless. And apparently this is his biggest insecurity that he can't see anything because this is the this is the Wild West. There aren't any spectacles or glasses. If you can't just if you just have bad eyes, you can't see things and you're and you're going to probably going to die. So the kid pulls a gun again because he needs to prove his worth. And Ned's like. Jesus, dude. I'm gonna die. We're all gonna die. Yeah, so the Schofield kid, nearsighted, super sensitive about it. But apparently he's a good shot at very close range, because, you know, he throws Ned's canteen and takes a few shots and hits it like three times in a row. So, so long as something is within, he says, 50 feet, he can hit it. Right, and but William Money rides away like, yeah, I think it's more like 15. Back in Big Whiskey, Little Bill keeps taunting English Bob and Bochamp as they sit in a jail cell, and he reads the book, which is about English Bob, written by Bochamp, entitled The Duke of Death. Yeah, and Lil Bill keeps 
mispronouncing it purposely, the duck of death in Beauchamp every time. It's like, it's the duke. And the last time, uh, the sheriff is like, yeah, I know what I said. I know. So, right. So, like, uh, Daggett, got a little, little Bill Daggett. All these, they, all these names are too similar, James. Also. I know. In the same all... scene, Bill, Bob, and Beauchamp. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Lil Bill is like, you know, your this writing isn't really great, although I think the Duke is perhaps your problem. Because I was there at the Blue Bottle Saloon the night in which you were writing about in this book, and I tell you, the stuff that you wrote here is not what happened. There were no two... There, the, there was no two-gun shooter. The guy was a two, named two-gun, but like, it's not, it wasn't, he wasn't called that because he had two guns. He was called that because he had one gun and one giant dick. <laughs> that was, I think, my favorite part of this scene, where the two-gun kid is named that due to phallus. Yeah, Bill's correcting the record, CTR. Um, he says that that gunfight that English Bill supposedly had with two-gun Corky was not heroic at all. Corky's one pistol misfired and so english bob just like had a free shot on him it's kind of like if you've seen game of thrones you know uh there's supposed to have been this epic battle between ned stark and this other legendary swordsman but then it turned out the dude just got stabbed in the back so right and it i think it speaks to myth in that moment which is it we're learning a few things about myth in this movie with the myth of how badly delilah was hurt and also the myth of how English Bob was a hero. In fact, I would argue that the crux of this movie is, you know, villainy versus heroism. Uh, are they and can they be the same thing? And myth versus reality and how far apart they can truly get through distortion and through not having the internet back in the Old West and through not everybody knowing the same thing. And it's brought up a lot that English Bob and William Money weren't so much these super courageous guys as much as they were just fucking drunk out of their minds all the time. You remember near the end of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly when they're in that part about to cross the bridge and they're there with the two sides of the war and the general or the sergeant in charge was like, you know, the one thing everybody in this war has in common is that everybody smells like alcohol. I really enjoyed that part and this part of this movie where they're like, uh, you know what more of reality of the Wild West was? Just a bunch of drunk people shooting each other badly. Yeah, and there's a whole school of historical thought that so much of these important times in history were driven by people who were completely drunk. Like, people say that a lot of the atrocious things that Alexander the Great or that Genghis Khan did, they ordered while they were super drunk. And their soldiers followed out these terrible orders because they were super drunk. Yeah, because there was all actual atrocities that everyone felt guilt, pain, and a lack of empathy in the moment and a ton of empathy and the afterthought. And you know what you could just do? You just drown all that out with a bunch of booze and keep shooting people. And then a cool thing happens. Yeah, Little Bill explains to Beauchamp his philosophy on gunfighting. Basically, he says that slow and steady wins the race, and that when two people are quick-drawing, it's it's 
all luck because you're going to miss most of the time when you quick draw. You can kind of tell that in this moment, Lil Bill, now in retirement and about to rid his new town of actual bounty hunters trying to come and kill people there. But when he's done with that, he sees an opportunity with Beauchamp where English Bob doesn't need a biographer anymore. He just got the crap kicked out of him and he's about to head back to England whenever they let him out. So he takes this moment to be like, you know what, Beauchamp, I'm going to start telling you uh, fun stories and make you basically turn into my biographer because I'm cooler. Little Bill gives Beauchamp this really awkward, intense shooting lesson. But Bochamp never even puts his finger on the trigger because he doesn't want to hurt anybody. But he's like, well, what if I pass the gun to English Bob back here? Then then you're screwed. And the whole time the audience is like, you know, that gun cannot be loaded. Lil Bill wouldn't just give a loaded gun to Bochamp. Even if he knows Bochamp is a coward, he wouldn't actually shoot him. And then when Lil Bill goes to reach back for the pistol, like, you didn't even put your finger on the trigger, you crazy little guy. Beauchamp kind of surprises him by saying, by pulling back and saying, you know, what if I give it to English Bob? I bet English Bob wouldn't just, like, not pull the trigger. And Lil Bill's like, yeah, sure, give it to him. Give him the gun. And as Beauchamp is, like, slowly giving it to to English Bob... English Bob finally, after a long, like, drawn-out time, because this is an old Western, and they do it right, where they make you feel suspense, he doesn't take the gun. And in that moment, Lil Bill walks over, takes the gun, empties the barrel of six bullets that were definitely in there, and says, I'm glad you didn't take the the gun, English Bob. I would have killed you. Already writing his book. Back on the prairie, heavy rain is bearing down on our main characters. Ned expresses his doubts that the Schofield kid can really be effective at all, and wonders if they're going to be able to pull this off. Little Bill ends up sending English Bob out of town in a carriage the whole time English Bob's, like, cursing him in the town. He's like, you're all a bunch of douchebags to treat me like this. And Bochamp decides to stay behind because he's going to write about Little Bill instead. What a burn, dude. Isn't that isn't that the craziest burn where your biographer is literally like, no thanks, you got beat up so badly, I don't care anymore. Yeah, this is prison rules. If, if you beat someone up, their bitch becomes your bitch. It's the same thing with dogs in movies. If you kill their owner, like in The Lone Ranger, they just become yours. The brothel girls worry that no one's going to claim the bounty after what happened to English Bob. The main characters finally make it to Big Whiskey, and the rain is still falling down on them. They get to the saloon. Uh, the Schofield kid goes to meet with Strawberry Alice. In the sheriff's office, Bochamp and Little Bill are having a nice time, basically <laughs> making up the outline for the novel he's going to write. And Little Bill talks about how he really hates cowards and assassins, and he sees them as one and the same. He's writing his book. He's just he's basically writing out loud to his new biographer as water is falling through the ceiling of his house because he's a bad carpenter. And Beauchamp at some point is like, maybe you should hang the carpenter. This place sucks. And <laughs> Lil Bill is so nice right up until that point. He's like, what did you 
what did you just say to me? What did you say to me? And then right at that moment, there's a knock at the door. Saved you, champ. By the way, I know his name is Bo Champ, but I'm going to call him Champ from now on. I hope everyone's fine with that. So, Champ's about to get pistol whipped, but there's a knock at the door, and it's another sheriff to be like, hey, uh, two more, three more people come into the town, and they all have guns. Back in the saloon, Will and Ned are sitting at a table, and Will is very ill and delirious. Ned tries to pour him a drink, but Will refuses it because he's quit drinking. And Ned goes off to buy some time with a lady. Yeah, he's a little skeptical. He's like, do you mind if I go... you mind if I go, uh... Do this thing? And, and Will's like, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. I am hallucinating. I have an awful fever. I'm going insane. Go and leave me alone. Do whatever you want. I, I hope nobody comes up to me and starts asking me questions and or beats me up because I am in bad shape. Little Bill and his deputies arrive at the saloon. They all train their rifles on William and Little Bill demands he hand over his pistols Will says, like, oh, and me and my friends don't have any guns, but Little Bill calls him a liar and a coward. He searches William and immediately finds his gun. I don't know yeah. what, what his endgame was. Well, I, I think I, it's, for, it's from what I said before. You lie until somebody punches you in the face or forcibly takes your gun. If they don't, you can just keep lying and they'll be like, oh, well, I guess I don't have it. So at that point, I guess for the crime of lying, they all beat the shit out of William really badly. Yeah, you can seal you can see that little Bill is still on the on the train of like if I just keep beating these guys up, the first ones to come through, they'll tell everybody else and they won't and they'll just leave. Also, he's writing his book right now. Beauchamp is in the back taking notes. As William is getting beat up downstairs, Strawberry Alice tells the Schofield kid and Ned to scatter. So they start to get out of there. Out, like, literally the back window. And you can also kind of see on Champ's face that as he's watching William Money get the crap kicked out of him, Champ really likes the myth part of all of this, but really not the reality of it. As Champ is watching William Money get the crap kicked out of him, like, over and over again, with every new hit, you can kind of see on Champ's face, he's like, the reality of this is just kind of messy. And gross. I don't really like this. I like to be there afterwards to write about it, but sitting in it feels dirty. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about this movie is that William is our hero, even though he is a a formerly a terrible person who's going back to doing bad things. And Little Bill is our villain, even though he has been fighting for justice his whole life and he's just trying to keep the peace in this town. It's an interesting dynamic. It's It really makes you question... It, it, question, it makes you question who the actual hero of this movie is. And you get to the end where you, I think, have to maybe let the notion of... There might not be a hero in this movie. And that is maybe what a good western should be you know what i mean like 
I think everybody should be a little bit the hero, a little bit the villain. I don't know. It, it makes it a fun movie, and it makes it, like, not almost any other Western you really see. Will tries to crawl away out of the saloon, and Little Bill lets him pass. And eventually, Will loses consciousness in the middle of the street with rain pouring all over him. Yeah, he's, Will is having a bad day. He's He's, by the way, still very sick. He just, like, can't remember how sick he is right now because he got punched so many times. Little Bill heads upstairs to interrogate the working girls, but they're not giving up Ned or the Schofield kid, who are actually just now outside rescuing William, and they take him to this abandoned house outside of town, and they get him patched up. Ned and the Schofield kid spend the rest of the night banging two of the brothel workers, and the Schofield kid just cannot get it through his head that William would have ever lost a fight or would have just let them beat him up without killing them all. He just cannot fathom that. Yeah, he was like, his pistol must have jammed. He thinks he's traveling with a folk hero. You know what I mean? He thinks he's, ta- he's traveling with Pecos Bill, but it's not. It's William Money. It's a different whole, a different guy with a lot more booze involved. Yeah, so Will's still not doing well, obviously. Um... And also, yeah, the 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 two, they're called free ones that the girls were giving Ned and the Schofield kid is an advance on the payment for the murder of Quick Mike and Davy Boy. Oh, God, Davy Boy. And, and, you know, and Ned's like, you know, we have to wait for Will to get better because I'm not going to just going to kill anybody without Will. And Schofield kid is so easy to turn on. I'm like, well, I mean, look at him. They're they're. He's not going to be better. The Schofield kid takes out actual drawings of what Quick Mike and the Davy Boy look like. They're like true like drawings with coal. And I, actually, the one with the beard, Quick Mike's drawing is actually pretty good. Looks a lot like him. Davy Boy, not so much. Davy Boy just looks like a face. You know what they look like? They look like Mii's from Nintendo Wii. Have you ever made one of those? You ever made one of those for yourself? Yeah, the you're a cartoony avatar. Yeah, I made it. You were the only one with a Wii that I knew, so I made it at your house. <laughs> so that night, William is having a scary fever dream about the god of death or something, and he begs Ned not to tell his kids about his dark history. TSK and Ned, that's my shorthand with the Schofield kid. Nice, dude. Are discussing whether or not they think William can even make it out of this. Sometime later, William does wake up. He's being nursed back to health by Delilah, the woman with all the scars now. And he seems considerably better. She tells him that Ned and the TSK have gone scouting for the bounties. And once he's back on his feet, she offers him a free one. Yeah, as he wakes up and she's talking to him, he's silently realizing. You can see in his eyes that he's realizing that she has ears and boobs, and a nose, and the myth that she was cut up to, you cut up to pieces, was untrue. He he still sees that she has scars, and is like, okay, she does have scars, but I came from Kansas because I heard your ears were cut off. But that's fine. That's whatever. And you and you're right. She does. She offers him a free one, just like Strawberry Alice and and the and the other girl has been giving Schofield Kid and Ned. And Will declines because 
you know, on account of his wife. And Delilah's like, that's pretty insane because I respect you for that, being true to your wife. Because, you know, as a hooker, I can tell you from firsthand experience, most men aren't. Yeah, he doesn't make any mention that his wife is dead. He just says that he wants to remain faithful to her. And he compares her physical scars to his emotional scars. Which, immediately, she takes as an offense. Because she's really insecure, obviously, and and embarrassed by her scars. And he's like, no, no, no. In fact, I think this might be the nicest thing William Money says all the movie. But he's like, no, no, that's not what I mean. Listen, if I was to get a free one... It would be with you, I swear to gosh. It's just that, you know, I have a, a wife that I'm not going to tell you is alive and or dead in this moment. You just, like, know that I arbitrarily have a wife. And I, I'm a really, I'm sorry that we just, we both have scars. We both have scars. We both have scars. Because I've been conditioned by Hollywood to expect cheesy, cliche endings, I really thought that William was going to, like, marry Delilah and bring her back to the farm. I I don't think I thought that I I was pretty content with this movie being sad. So I was like, no, that something something joyous can't happen. So out on the prairie, Davy Boy and some other cowboys are chasing down some of their herd when Davy Boy's horse is shot out from under him and his leg is crushed. And as we like port to perhaps 50 or 70 yards away the Schofield kid is is sitting behind Ned being like did you hit him did you did you, did you kill him did you get him because you know he can't see anything when a character truly makes you angry you know a movie is good and the Schofield kid is it for me gosh does he make me angry i do not like the Schofield kid as a, a person and or a character i like him as a character but i don't like the character do you know what i mean Again, that's how I know a movie is actually good. It's the same thing I, I I told everyone about. I don't remember what podcast it was. But there is a character in Saving Private Ryan that I have the most hatred for of any character in movie history. And that's how I know that movie, other than the movie being amazing, is how I know that movie is good. Schofield Kid is like number two for on for characters I hate just for being annoying in movies. Davy's Davy's uh, Davy boy's leg is broken. He's crawling around. He's like, "Guys, my leg is broke." And as the audience, I think our hearts should be shattering cuz Davy boy didn't need any of this. You know? He's he's kind of innocent. His only crime is to be associated with the actual criminal. Like, I know. It's just a real bummer. Schofield's kid is still asking questions because, you know, the best thing to do during a gunfight is to ask a bunch of questions. Yeah, he can't see anything. He needs everything explained to him, which is really obnoxious in this scene. But part of what he wants this bounty money for is to buy some some glasses because he desperately needs glasses. Some spectacles. As Ned is going to take another shot and he hears Davy Boy wailing in the distance, Ned sort of looks at Will and is like, why are we doing this, man? These kids, they're just kids. We're shooting basically old, like young slash old, old adult, uh, young adult slash old children. This is a real bummer. So Will looks at Ned and is like, okay, and takes the gun from him. And... He shoots, and he misses, 
asks how many shots he has left, which he has two. Ned still looks pretty shaken up. He shoots, misses again, and he has one more shot, and he hits him straight in the gut. And right when he hits him, Davy Boy, they shot me, boys! They shot me! Davy Boy dying in this scene is tragic. Just so tragic. Yeah, it's horrible. He begs his comrades to bring him some water. Uh, he's he's crying. He's saying how much it hurts and how he's scared to die. The main characters call out like, bring him some goddamn water. We're not going to shoot you anymore. Just bring him the water. And they scuffle across to give Davy Boy some water. Well, will be like, don't shoot me, you bastard. And then you, you murdering bastards kill our Davy Boy. What a ma- uh, which is an amazing line. And it's an amazing scene. So good. Yeah, I would have tried to renegotiate with Strawberry Alice. I'd be like, how about for $750, we'll just kill the guy who's actually guilty, and we'll let the dude who we came with go, because that guy didn't do anything. He tried to help Delilah. That's oh, the well. thing, though. They don't know that. Again, there's no internet. There's no Twitter to tell them the actual news or the actual... Uh, there's no... There's no actual fact-checking service, so the only thing they know is that he was there when Delilah got cut up, so he is at fault. It's the crazy part about not knowing anything or having no information is that you just keep shooting and keep drinking until you shoot and drink the and, or you shoot the wrong person and then you get shot too. It's like, that's why the Wild West was just insane. Alright, after that they had, they had to find Quick Mike, but Ned has had enough of this. He says he just wants to head back to Kansas, and he doesn't need any reward money. He doesn't even want to keep his rifle. He tries to give it to Will, who says, no, take it with you. Keep yourself safe. Drop by my house. Say hello to my kids. TSK is being a dick. He's like, okay, Will, then you're not going to get your money. And William's like, fuck that. We're going to pay you. Schofield kid can fuck himself. Don't worry about it. He literally did nothing but ask questions and be blind. We cut back to Big Whiskey, and one of the deputies is riding up to Little Bill's house, and he tells him that, you know, Davy Boy, one of the cowboys, has been killed by an assassin. And we cut into the town where Little Bill and his deputies are getting a mob, they're getting a posse together, and they send someone over to warn Quick Mike that someone's coming for him warn and also guard him uh i don't know how else to describe it's the sheriff that's the big one they sent him over and him and big mike are gonna sit in a in a little house now and kind of barricade themselves in alice is honestly surprised she did not think that they would actually do it and kill one of them Someone throws a rock through Alice's window like an ass because they're mad at them for for Davy Boy dying. Which honestly, I get. Davy Boy was a saint. And then in that moment, Alice is also like, "By the way, Delilah, uh, Will's wife is not really a wife. She's dead." And Delilah's like, "Okay, I'll I'll take that information in and I'll 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 deal with it as as it as it registers to me." Right, and then it'll. It'll never develop into anything on screen. Honestly. Yeah, no, nothing else. I learned happen. that. Okay, <laughs> I have that information. Let's all move on. 
A few townsfolk ride up to Little Bill saying that they've caught one of the assassins and he oh, tells no. them to, to bring him in. <laughs> and they were like, did, you, did, did they beat him up? <laughs> and and the guy's like, yeah. Yeah, they did. It's like, okay, well, bring him here so we can beat him up some more. Quick Mike and his friends are chilling out at this ranch and they get word of Davy Boy's death, but Quick Mike isn't really that bothered. He's like, whatever. I got a guard here. I got a gun. I'm good. He's not even that sad about his friend's death. I hate Quick Mike. I do not like him at all. Davy Boy was the... Davy Boy did nothing wrong. He was the best. And now he's dead. And William Money killed him, and he's still the hero. Isn't that insane? So William Money and STK are staking out this ranch, waiting for Quick Mike to just peek his head out so they can blow it off. Meanwhile, Ned is brought into the sheriff's office and they're whipping him as a form of interrogation. And I was shocked that no one said anything racist in this scene. I really right? thought they were going to. How was <laughs> how is there no race brought up whatsoever? Old Morgan Freeman is being bull whipped and they do not bring up race at all. I don't know if that's... I, I don't like, is know. That, is that ignorant or is that like... A, or is it it's so... Setting... No one else gets whipped in this movie. No, no one. Uh, they, like... Although, at the beginning, Lil Bill does say that he would whip Davy Boy and Quick Mike instead of, like, actually punish them. But instead, he finds them and they don't even get a whipping. Alice is even mad about that. So, obviously, whipping is something that just, like, Lil Bill does to white men, black men, any men. Probably not women or children. But any man can get whipped by Bill. So, I guess it, maybe it's just uh, not a common occurrence, but, like, something that happens to all men when Bill gets mad. So, it's not a race thing to them, but obviously me and you had the same exact thought. And, like, Morgan Freeman getting whipped, and you're like, oh, I wonder if they're going to bring this up at all, cover this topic. Back at the rancher's cabin, Quick Mike goes to drop a deuce in the outhouse. And TSK gets the drop on him and shoots him three times and he dies on the toilet like that dude from Jurassic Park. The lawyer from Jurassic Park. I think the best toilet death of all time. And I still give it to him. Uh, I mean, if you had to rank toilet deaths, one where a T-Rex eats you out of a toilet or an outhouse on the middle of an island in the Caribbean, pretty good. Sorry, I got lost in Jurassic Park. I love that movie. The duo narrowly escape on horseback, and they ride out into the prairie. They stop somewhere outside of Big Whiskey to rest, and at first, the Schofield kid is like, Hey man, we really did it. Wasn't that cool? Oh, by the way, I've never actually killed anyone before, and I killed this guy. Ho-ho, I'm feeling good about it. And then he starts crying. Yeah. So earlier in the movie, he was like, you know, I've killed five men, but it was always obviously bullshit. And so, yeah, he was like, well, that was the first one. And he asks Will, like, is that what it's like with the bullets and the smoke? I was even scared for a little. Were, were you were, um, were, were you scared, Will? Please tell me you were scared so that I can feel better about any of this. And Will's just like, you know, take a drink, kid. I've been there where you are sitting right now and. The kid, uh, Schofield kid, starts to cry. And he says it doesn't seem real. He's out of breath. 
and William Money says, "To hell of a thing killing a man, taking away all he's got, all he's ever gonna have." And then you know they again said the same thing thing they've been saying the whole time. Like I guess they had it coming, which you know is half true as the audience. And William Money corrects him and says, "You know, we all have it coming, kid." One of the girls rides up with the bounty money. Will mentions, oh, well, we have to get Ned his share. And at this point, the girl reveals to these characters that Ned was killed accidentally during Little Bill's interrogation. And now his body is on display in the town as a warning to other criminals. Yeah, so a few things. One, it seems as though the way that she describes it, Little Bill was just like whipping him and whipping him. And then when the whipping wasn't working, because, like, Ned was coming up with different names and Beauchamp was writing them down. And every time Ned said a different name, Beauchamp would show the piece of paper to Lil Bill and Lil Bill would be like, that's not what you said. It's not what you said. You had the names mixed up. So you're telling me different lies. And when you start telling me all these different lies, I'm going to hurt you worse. And we don't know how we hurt him worse, but he hurt him in such a way that... Maybe it caused, like, a heart attack, it kind of sounds like. Just, like, the hurting didn't actually kill him. He just kind of died due to stress. Will hears this and is... I mean, that's his best friend, right? His only friend in the world. And he's dead. As he's being told that Ned's body is out in front of Greeley's with a sign in front of him, Will takes the bottle that the Schofield kid was drinking out of to make him feel better about killing his first man. And Will takes a drink. He sobered up. Claudia sobered him up. But it doesn't matter anymore because Ned's dead and he's in a coffin in the front of a of a saloon slash billiards hall. So Will is about to get into it. He starts drinking. And the girl is still talking but it doesn't matter. Bill, Bill knows who Will is. Will knows who Bill is. Ned has a sign on him, so uh, Will, I think, sees no other alternative here. He has to get wasted and go into town. In the girl's exposition, she also says a lot about Will's background. Apparently, like he's a really notorious outlaw, specifically for this one instance where he used TNT to derail a train so he could rob it, and he killed lots of innocent people, including William and including women and children. So, William's not not a hero. Not a hero at all. Just a drunk guy who is uh, blowing things up for fun. TSK is worried that William will kill him and take the money now that he knows who William really is. And so he's like, okay, well, I'll just give you my gun and the part of the bounty and you don't hurt me. (laughs) Yeah, he's just like, here's my Schofield. It's what my name is after. But I don't really want it anymore. I think I've killed one too many people and I'm never going to do that again. Also, James, I learned this. Actually, I was about to call it a fun fact. It's not fun at all. Apparently in the script, it says at the end that the Schofield kid drowned himself out of guilt. Oh, my God. How does that make you feel? Not drowned himself in whiskey, like metaphorically? Nope, nope, just actually drowned himself. Good God. Yeah, man. Nobody makes it out of this movie. Alright, so... But William is nice to him in that moment, and he's like, No, no, we had a deal. Take take your share, bring Ned's widow, Ned's share, and drop my share off with my kids. And he's like, you're the last friend I got, Schofield kid. 
even though I've only known you for like a week and most of our interactions have been negative. Yeah, you're all you're the worst and you're my best friend. That's where my life is right now, kid. Give me that bottle. Schofield kid rides off never to be seen again and William enters Big Whiskey alone. Yeah, Schofield kid basically rides straight to the river. <laughs> uh and then yeah, as Will rides in, he sees the body of Ned in a a casket out front of this of the billiard hall with a sign on it that says this is what happens to assassins around here. This is what happens to Hector's and Armistice's body in the pilot of Westworld. They're just copying Unforgiven because if you're a western town, you're going to copy Unforgiven. It's one of the best ones that have ever been. Yeah, and you mentioned that back in our episode one podcast, and I didn't understand that reference, and now I do. Oh, dude! Yeah, I had just watched Unforgiven for the first time before Westworld, because I figured I can't start watching Westworld and have a podcast about it without watching Unforgiven. Now I feel like I have to watch The Searchers with John Wayne, like that's the next one on the list of things that is not a joke and we should watch, by the way. Because it's like on the li- on every other list above Unforgiven, which is like I don't know about that. Unforgiven's great. Any hoozles, little Bill is inside the billiards hall telling his crew that they can have some free drinks tonight. They did a good job accidentally murdering Ned. They're gonna split up into four parties tomorrow and go out looking. And then a great, great truly wonderful shot occurs where he's telling all these people everything and then a rifle comes into frame William walks in he's got his gun pointed dead at Skinny the saloon owner and he's like do you own this place he's like yeah I've owned it for for 12 years and he's like great shoots him dead he says how much money he paid for it. He's like, I paid Greeley a thousand dollars for it. Isn't it, isn't it so nuts what people say when they have gun pointed at their head? Little Bill calls out William. He's like, "You're a murderer and you're a train robber and a and a, and a coward for f- shooting an unarmed man." To which William Money responds, "Well, he should have armed himself." William attempts to to gun down Little Bill too, but. His rifle misfires. To which Lil Bill's like, misfire! And, you know, you can also kind of tell. Because before he does that, Lil Bill's like, he only has one shot left. The moment he shoots, everybody kill him. Like, even if Lil Bill is going to die in this moment, he's still writing his book. And so he has to write a good ending. You know what I mean? William does the thing in action movies where you run out of bullets, so you throw your gun. And it works pretty effectively. It's hilarious, actually. It works really well. A wild shootout commences, like, all the deputies and townspeople pull out their guns and start shooting, and bullets are flying all over the place. William has his revolver out, and he's picking people off, and when the dust clears, so many of the deputies are dead. Little Bill's on the ground, and William's like, anybody who wants to leave can just leave, and a bunch of other people run out the front door. Two people who see themselves... Uh, the other one as the villain and them as the hero shoot at each other. William kind of takes Lil Bill's advice from earlier in the movie and is slow and steady and he wins the race. Everybody else kind of swiftly tries to go for their guns and they can't get them out in time to which William just kind of ducks down and gets low to the ground, takes his time with all of his shots and, and kills all of them. 
because he's now drunk with a steady hand. And, you know, as Champ is now watching this, Champ is, like, literally seeing a new book unfold before his eyes. And (laughs) as everybody's lying on the ground with smoke in the air, William Clang, 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 walks over to the bar, takes another drink, and Champ is, like, on the other side, he's like, oh, my God, I'm shot. Oh, God, I'm shot. And Twitch Williams is like, you're not shot. You just have blood on you. Suck it up. Yeah, Bochamp gets his, like, violence boner up, and he's like, oh my god, how did you know in which order to shoot all these guys? And at first, William's, like, kind of humoring him a little bit, but then he gets annoyed, and he's just like, get out of here, you're dead. Right, he's like, is that a Spencer rifle? How t-? He's, like, measuring how tall he is. He's writing the book in his head, and eventually William's, like, exactly, he's like, get... You're going to need to leave now, or I will shoot you. And and, the, and Champ is like, yeah, 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 gotcha, 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 I'll, uh, I'll see you later. Little Bill has just been playing dead this whole time, and he tries to pick up a gun off the floor and turn to shoot William, but William is just now the ultimate badass, and slaps his hand away, bullet goes through the wall. William points his rifle down at Little Bill's face, and they're kind of locking eyes in a really dramatic moment. Little Bill says, I don't deserve to die like this. I was building a house. And I was like, yeah, it's not even a good house, though. And then William says, you know, deserves got nothing to do with it. Bill says, I'll see you in hell. And then <laughs> William's like, yeah, <laughs> he loads the rifle, and he shoots Little Bill in his face. William leaves the saloon, threatening all the townspeople not to follow him or shoot at him, or he'll kill them and their wives and burn their house down. Yeah, really big threat. Don't shoot me, I will murder and do everything bad to you. Which is a lie, but again, in the Old West, you lie, you lie, you lie, until somebody punches you in the face or takes your gun. He leaves town, but not before demanding that they bury Ned properly, and nobody seek any kind of retribution against the women and Delilah kind of watches him ride off into the darkness. A man that she still respects for staying with his wife in the moment earlier in the movie, but a man that she now knows she doesn't know, and nobody knows who this person is or what he can do. He just got drunk and took out seven people, including the sheriff, Like, which is something that she doesn't even know that she wants. Alice knew that she wanted. She knew that Davy Boy was good. She... She was, like, not even on board 100%. This is all very confusing to a whole lot of people. A lot of awful things happened, and they weren't for very good reasons. We see a shot of William back on his farm, walking over to his wife's grave, and a text crawl comes through again and tells us that William and his family supposedly, according to rumor, moved to San Francisco where they... Uh, lived happily operating a store. He prospered in dry goods. And the movie ends on a sunset, but not with anyone riding into it. So I guess call it a wash. Half and half. Yeah, it's definitely halfsies, although it does kind of fit with the tone of the movie to not have a a very specific Western-y movie ending. Although I really did like when he was 
riding out of the town into the darkness because I think that was what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be, you know, most movies end with a cowboy riding off into a sunset, but this is the real West. This is a booze-fueled shoot-em-up with no reasoning, and most of this awful stuff happened at night when everyone was drunk, and William Money riding off into the night is what is a bit more realistic than anyone else riding off into a sunset. See, this was a great movie. It's It wasn't really my thing. I still enjoyed it, though. Uh, a lot of reviewers for Unforgiven describe it as like a eulogy for the Western genre. And they're like, you know, this movie kind of embraces and puts to bed all these like fallacies of the romantic West that other Western movies classically have kind of built up. This movie kind of tears them down. Right. And as you know, Clint Eastwood was in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly directed by Sergio Leon, who he had a contemptuous relationship while on set and, and you know, during filming and after filming. And eventually they would reconcile. At the end of this movie, it does say, dedicated to Sergio and Don, referring to Clint Eastwood's mentor, Sergio Leon and Don Siegel. So, I mean, he says something about Sergio, but it does also kind of feel like a love letter to the good, the bad, and the ugly from Clint Eastwood. Like, I was in one of the one of the, you know, post-John Wayne uh, mainstay Western movies made by the genius Sergio Leon, and and this is Clint Eastwood's love letter to his mentors. Yeah, I'd have to give this movie an A. I can't really fault it for too much. It's a little overly long, but hey, Western movies. For real, Western movies are all very long. I did like it. I actually, I watched it in two sittings just because it was really long for me. And I'm kind of a busy guy. But oh, shut uh, up. You shut your mouth. <laughs> I still, I think I liked the good, the bad, and the ugly a little bit better. Just because it was a little bit funnier and uh, had, a, had, a, had a, a, a bit more interesting characters. Unforgiven is my favorite that we've watched so far. I put it on top of the good, the bad, and the ugly because of how I feel about the characters in this movie. It's just, it's such a visceral moment every time I see the Schofield kid or Ned or William Money. When I see Clint Eastwood, I don't see Blondie. I see William Money. So, and, 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 you know, both are viable options. They're both amazing movies that contextualize the Western genre better than most any others you'll see. You know, obviously subtracting minus John Wayne flicks slash Gary Cooper flicks, but we'll get there. Hi, Ryan. Do you have an idea for what you want to watch next week? So I think we should watch The Searchers in two weeks. I don't really want to watch it next week because I feel like putting putting Sirius back to back is just tough, especially when they're the length that they are. Um, oh, I gotcha. Well, then I have the perfect movie to watch in the interim. Oh, my God. Perfect. Great. I was just Googling, but I'm so glad I don't have to do any more. So, for next week, catch up with us as we recap and review the 2016 Adam Sandler masterpiece. Oh, Jesus Christ. The Ridiculous Six, available exclusively on Netflix. Oh, come on. Shit. (laughs) 
I've heard I've heard this movie is fucking atrocious. Yeah. Me too. Me too. And like ten times more racist than the Lone Ranger. There there's uh, we'll we'll bring it up in the podcast, but there was a controversy in the Ridiculous Six where all of the native actors walked off set because they're like, this shit is too much. Like, Yeah, but also that probably should have happened in every Western ever. But the only way this happened here is because the writing was poor. Because Adam, San- Adam Sandler, who's made good movies, Billy Madison exists. Ah, uh, whatever. Okay, fine. See you next week, everybody, while we watch this awful... Gosh, gosh dang it. Should have watched The Searchers. Thanks again for everybody who's listening. We really appreciate it if you're just listening. If you want to go the extra mile, you can follow us on Twitter at WestworldRyan. You could follow us on SoundCloud. Or you could leave us a nice iTunes review, which helps other people find us. Or, you know, spread it by word of mouth. If you know people who like recaps, you know people who like westerns and podcasts, send them our way. Yeah, say your words about it. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast.